This podcast brought to you by Hope 103.2. The Amazing People Podcast with Sam and Duncan. 210 days alone at sea to become the youngest person to sail solo non-stop around the world at the age of 16 years old. Now 10 years on from the event, she is an international speaker and author and she joins us today. It's Jessica Watson. How are you doing? Good, thanks. Good morning. Jess, I've got to ask, 10 years on, what are the memories that still stand with you today of the event, the the physical and the emotional challenges as you kind of reflect back on that journey? Yeah, in some ways I think I'm lucky that some of it's still as clear as anything um, and still quite vivid. So I think, I mean, no doubt the day I got home and the kind of happy bubble <laughs> um, and the adrenaline from that is still very vivid, but and when it comes to the voyage itself, it's it's actually just the the day to day sailing and watching the waves and the the simple things that are actually still really vivid. What was uh, like physically the hardest thing about the trip? Well, if anything, it was actually probably more a mental challenge than a physical one. The the boat was very well set up to sort of suit me, and I'm not made of muscle. So, <laughs> um, so you know, we we delivered my team and I chose a boat that was gonna gonna be realistic for me to handle, and uh, yeah, and I, I sailed it in quite a conservative way. So it was actually more the mental challenge of being alone for such a long time, and and kind of dealing with the unknown and some of the storms that was perhaps a bigger challenge. Okay, and I was just thinking about that. 210 days uh, alone at sea, obviously you had uh, the ability to talk to people through various radio devices. But um, how do you cope with the isolation like that, given the kind of current climate we're living in now? What what, what are your words of wisdom? <laughs> I mean, it's absolutely different for everyone, and obviously this is quite a different situation. But, um, yeah, I mean, some of the things I learned from spending all that time alone were firstly I suppose I got out there and very quickly realised that I had to sort of take charge of what was going on in my head um, and no one to sort of tell you to cheer up or drag you out for, for something to cheer you up and do the things you, you enjoy doing. So I realised that I had to be pretty conscious of my thought patterns and not letting them you know, get to a negative place and using all the little strategies that you know I'd learned from sports psychologists and other adventurers. Um, and then I suppose sometimes when the going got tough, I actually found it really reassuring and helpful to put on a strong and positive voice for others. Even though I was completely alone, I was doing that through, you know, through the satellite phone calls or through my writing, um, the blogs I was writing, or actually sometimes, and this is going to sound completely crazy, I, in one of the worst storms, I actually found myself yelling out to the boat and telling it it was going to be all right. <laughs> I mean, it was obviously completely crazy, but, but just that... Putting on a tough voice and pretending I was okay. Did you actually help to me? Did you have a Forrest Gump, Bubba Gump shrimp scenario? <laughs> it's a bit like that, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, we, you know, my little boat and I were pretty good mates by the end of that trip. Incredible. I've always wondered for for an adventure like this. I mean, it's an absolutely incredible adventure. Do you do you get in and finish a massive goal like that and feel content? Or is there still a hunger that drives inside of you? Yeah. I mean, a lot of people ask that in, in a slightly different way, and they sort of just say quite bluntly, uh, what are you going to do to better that? <laughs> um, I mean, 
there, I definitely felt a, a very amazing sense of achievement. And, and you know, it, it was honestly an adrenaline high for, for a couple of years, at least a couple of years. Um, but uh, there's no doubt that I've sort of felt the need to keep challenging myself. And I suppose I was also very aware that I needed to keep giving myself new challenges. Otherwise, I might, I might um, come a bit unstuck. But I suppose the way I've done that is actually in kind of very new and different ways in terms of things like going back to study rather than sort of taking on too many other sailing challenges. I, I'm, I'm just trying to picture early on in the process where you're like, you know, like a 16-year-old and you're saying, right, I think what we're going to do is sail around the world and just the logistics to make that happen. And then you say, I want to do it solo by myself. I mean, there's going to be a few haters out there who are like, you're a lunatic and you're a 16-year-old girl, there's no way you can do this. And you're like, well, Jesse Leinhart did and I'm inspired. <laughs> I mean, but there is also the logistics to make it happen. I mean, how do you respond to the haters when they start coming and knocking at the door? Yeah, and, and it was it was a couple of years of, um, well, more than a couple of years of sort of from that moment of starting to tell people and, and then to set off. And at times it was intense. Um, there were, was a lot of criticism, a lot of criticism aimed at, at my parents, which was, um, you know, pretty horrible what I put them through, really. Um, teenagers, they're pretty, pretty cruel <laughs> to their parents, and I was, I was certainly that. Um, but, I mean, it, it's not easy, um, and I think perhaps it might have actually been harder on, on those around me and they were actually sort of acting as a bit of a buffer. But I think that, I mean, the way I was sort of coping is that when you do something like this, it's such a single-minded sort of all-consuming goal, which is actually a, an amazing thing to have that sort of sense of purpose. But um, and, and it also kind of protects you from from that criticism. Um, yeah, not to say it wasn't tough, um, but but we also weren't listening to it when it was constructive. You know, we wanted to hear suggestions of ways to make it safer. It was just when it was just silly that it was sort of a bit unhelpful <laughs> and hard to listen to. Have you had a chance to have a conversation with the person that inspired you to do the trip? Yes, I have many conversations. Um, so it was actually Jesse Martin's book, um, Lionheart, that did originally put the idea in my head when when it was read to me as a bedtime story as an eleven year old. So wow, mum, mum, mum did a lot of damage by reading that bedtime story to me. Um, and yeah, you know, he was he was someone who, who was a, a supporter, and, and at a time when there was a lot of that criticism flying around, so um, I was very grateful for that. It's pretty cool when you get to meet your own your own heroes and, and discover that they're just as cool in real life. So, yeah, I, I was uh, going to read my my eight year old daughter Dave Goggins' "You Can't Hurt Me," but then I read the first page and I was like, probably not, probably not good for kids. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's the thing I'm constantly saying is, you know, be careful what you read to your kids because these books give them ideas. Well, I mean, the thing is, is that I, I would say that it would appear your career has kind of gone strength to strength in terms of, you know, that that adventure unfolded and then you've gone back, uh, I believe, got an MBA, written two books, um, and then the United Nations said, hey, can you be our youth representative? What was that like? That was an awesome opportunity and, and you know, I was really grateful to, to have it. Um, I think quite simply when all your own dreams have come true, um, it's pretty it's pretty um, important to be able to sort of find a way to, to give back. And um, obviously we're, we're talking about people who you don't have the simple things like a, a meal on the table every day. So that role took me to some pretty incredible parts of the world too in terms of the, some of the remote areas in, in Laos and then a few years later the refugee camps in, in Jordan and Lebanon 
at the height of that um, Syrian crisis, the refugee crisis. And it's it's humbling. It's um and it's inspiring actually because you're just meeting these people who are somehow making the best of the situation and incredibly strong women actually. A lot of them, um yeah. It, I found it actually really inspiring. And of course, it's sad. It's, it's horrendous. But I didn't expect to walk away feeling very inspired and like I did. We've done a lot of you know charitable trips here, and I think the thing that always seems to blow me away is the sense of joy. Like, I don't think you're ever prepared for the joy and the laughter that comes out of trips like that. Do you know, like, you think everyone's going to be sad, but it's not that experience, is it? Yeah, that was that was exactly it. You know, it's hard to believe that in these horrible sort of gravel refugee camps, um, you know, there, there can be people who are, and it was, it was fun. It was incredible to sit around on the ground and share a, um, you know, share, share a meal with them. Um, they're generously sort of sharing the, the, the little food that they have and, and laughing and, and having fun. So, yeah, no, I didn't didn't expect that. Now, I think one of the, the powerful moments, and I, I kind of was in the States when this all unfolded the first time around, was when, um, you know, our Prime Minister calls you an Australian hero and you retort, uh, no, I'm an ordinary person who had a dream, worked really hard and proved anything is really possible. Do you still feel that's true today? I suppose so. <laughs> um, I mean, that's a, I suppose quite a simple way of putting it and quite a cheeky thing to do as a teenager to say, I'm going to disagree <laughs> with the Prime Minister. <laughs> um, but no, I suppose I'm, I suppose I'm glad I said that even if, um, yeah, even if mum had a heart attack when I did. Well, so I think always with these things, you know, you celebrate an anniversary like this 10 years on and then the, the uh, proverbial question comes, what's the next big thing? You've written books. You've got a. You've got an MBA. You've you've got a documentary, I believe, in the works or on the way out. What's on the cards next? Yeah, well, these days, obviously, I think I'm like everyone, and starting to just sort of enjoy the, the simple things in terms of being able to get out sailing again as um, the restrictions are easing. Um, but nothing, nothing big in terms of a sailing trip just yet. I, I do want to sail around the world again one day, but it'll be stopping along the way and <laughs> hopefully visiting some nicer parts of the world. Um, but these days I also have a, a career, um, so that's kind of keeping me busy day to day, and I'm actually really enjoying that. It's nice to nice to challenge myself in a different way. Well, fantastic. Jess, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us today. Really appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. Start your day with life words. Subscribe to Hope 1032's free daily email devotional at hope1032.com.au.